Hello, everybody. This is Melissa Goncalves, your host, and you're listening to Femme Radio, a podcast made for women by women, where we talk about anything from rising the ranks at work to raising a family at home and every important detail in between. So if this sounds like something you're interested in, stay tuned because another episode is coming up right now. Alyssa Monroe is a marketing consultant with almost a decade of experience building strong brands for top retailers, organizations, and business leaders. She holds an MBA from Baruch College Zicklin School of Business and is certified in marketing research and analytics by the Wharton School, University of Pennsylvania. Alyssa is the founder of Meg and Monroe, a digital-first marketing and communications consultancy for beauty and lifestyle brands and the creatives who lead them. The consultancy specializes in public relations, social media management, and content creation. They have had the pleasure of working with clients such as Converse Shoes, Blacklist 100, Foot Locker, Avo Carl, and more. Alyssa is actually a former classmate of mine from Manhattanville College, so shout out to Mville Valiance for producing such positive members of society because here we are ready to let you in on some key secrets of the marketing industry, how to think about building and marketing your own brand, but also how to start to change the narrative of your own journey and your own story. Alyssa did not graduate from Manhattanville and immediately jump into entrepreneurship. There was a journey, there was a story, and she shares it with us today. There's so much work and so much effort put into always focusing on your end goal. And that's what I want each of you to really understand as you're listening to this episode. Just think about all the things that Alyssa says and how she continues to focus on the reality of her life and what she wants it to be in the future. And without further ado, let's just play the episode, huh? This is Melissa, your host, and I am here with Alyssa Monroe. Alyssa, welcome to the show. Thanks, Melissa. I am so happy and excited to be here. So I would love for you to just take a minute, introduce yourself to Fem Radio. Who do our listeners have the pleasure of having with them today? Yes. So hey, Fem Radio, my name is Alyssa Monroe, like Melissa mentioned. I run a digital-first marketing and communications consultancy for beauty and lifestyle brands and the creatives who run them. So on the very basic level, I help increase visibility, relevancy, and desire for brands like Converse, Foot Locker, Bathe Brands, Avocurl, and so much more. So that is obviously a ton to unpack, which we will throughout this episode. Um, but I would love to just peel back some of the layers, right? So in college, let's start right in our college experience. What were some of the things that you were sort of interested in? Like, what was your major? Did you always think you would find yourself where you are today? Yeah. So great question. So when I originally entered college, I wanted to be a journalist. So I was thinking anything in the journalism range, or um, literature. I was, oh, I always loved storytelling and writing. Um, but then when I met with my advisor and I looked at the courses, I was not intrigued. So then she just encouraged me to look more into communications. Um, so I did, and I majored in communications, minor in sociology. 
And through it all, I just grew more attracted to marketing and advertising. So in college, I would say my sophomore year was when I got my first internship. It was for free. Um, and that was at a fashion house in the city. And I loved it. I had the best manager. I still speak to her to this day. Her name is Gemma. And we just had a great time. I learned marketing, PR, uh, media, the, the whole press kit thing. And uh, we went to fashion shows. And I felt like I was a little mini Carrie Bradshaw, to be yeah. quite honest with you. Um, and then from there, um, every summer, I just started to intern more. Um, I did not know if I wanted to um, focus on fashion alone. So I took the opportunity to do internships in the entertainment range and um, in the journalism range. So when I say journalism, I mean like more of like the news mm -hmm. um, outlet. Mm -hmm. um, there was a news outlet called the Journal News Media Group, which is owned by USA Today. And that was like three minutes from our college. So uh, Manhattanville. Wow. So I got an internship. That was my last internship senior year there. So to answer your question, um, yes, I was always interested in marketing and um, the field of advertising and media. It's so funny because we both sort of had pretty similar experiences there where my internship in college was like the building right behind Manhattanville. So I could walk yeah. to my internship. And yes. um, I feel like your internship was one of those where, and you tell me if I'm wrong, but you must have gotten back to school from your internship and your friends are incredibly jealous of you, right? You're in fashion. Oh, yeah. you're <laughs> yeah. I remember, oh my God, you're so right. I remember my roommate at the time, I was wearing her dresses. She was doing my makeup and she was just like my little cheerleader, you know, when I would go and come back and I would tell her all the stories and whatnot. Um, but yeah, I, it, I was super fortunate and um, I didn't take, it for advantage at all. I loved, I loved each and every one of my experiences. So let's go to graduation, right? So you graduate Manhattanville. What's next? What did you dive into? Did you have a job already lined up? Oh my God, Melissa. <laughs> so not a lot of people know this, to be honest with you. My first official job after graduation was at the movie theater. I was scooping popcorn. Um, I could not believe it, to be honest with you. Um, wow. It definitely takes a turn on your psyche, but either way, I needed money to go to my interviews, right? I needed gas money. I needed to, um, to get suits. I, I needed to be prepared for my corporate job. And in order for me to do so, I needed a job, period. Um, so my friend at the time, he was working at the movie theaters and he said, you know what? Suck it up. You got it. I have a position for you. Are you going to take it or what? And I took it. And to be honest, I, it was definitely discouraging a little bit because right. I went to college, I graduated, I did all these internships. I felt like I did everything right. And here I was scooping popcorn and, mm -hmm. and it would be at my local movie theater. So I would see people who I used to go to high school with and I would be serving them. And, you know, they're like, oh, Alyssa, hey, nice to see you, you know, right. um, but I used that time to really focus. I was more passionate than ever to get a corporate job, right? So I took that money, like I said, I got new, in, uh, I got new suits. I made sure I was just looking sharp and delivered sharp 
um, for my interviews. And I ended up working with a staffing company and they got me a position as a admin, an assistant um, for a financial company on Long Island. And honestly, Melissa, I was just so happy to be there, to be honest with you. <laughs> and at that point, I still knew I wanted to be in marketing um, and advertising. And I took that time to take advantage of the position I was in. So when I say that, I mean, I reached out to the vice president of marketing at the company. I reached out to the vice president of sales and I asked them if they needed any help with anything. I, I, anything I could offer, to be honest with yeah. you. I didn't have experience, but I knew I was a good writer. I knew, you know, I, I can do something for them. And they gave me a chance. They invited me to their New York City office. I remember my manager at the time, she was like, Alyssa, I never even went to the New York City office. Go, good luck, take advantage, you know? And I just squeezed myself into their environment, into their office, and I was a sponge. Any advice that they gave me, I soaked it up. And so I was there for about a year. Um, and then I realized there was no growth, um, especially within the marketing um, department. So I started to attend job fairs and it just so happened that the Journal News Media Group was there, which was the, my last internship and they were hiring. And so I interviewed and I got the job as a digital account manager. And that was my first job in marketing and advertising. Um, wow. So I was there for about two and a half years and um, it was crazy because I started off as an intern and now here I am as a digital account manager. Um, and then from there, after again realizing there was no growth within, um, I started to apply again and I got in at 360i as an associate media manager. And Anyone, I would say, who is interested in marketing, in advertising, apply to an ad agency. I had the best experience. Um, I learned so much. I was able to work with all these bigger brands and the people were so smart. So I started off as an associate there and I worked with brands like Saks Fifth Avenue and Lauren Taylor handling their media buys. And then about a year later, I was promoted to a media manager and handling the paid social media advertisements of the Shiseido brand. So Shiseido mm -hmm. is a big beauty brand and they house Dolce & Gabbana, um, who else, Buxom Cosmetics, Laura Mercier. So I had the opportunity to really work um, hand in hand with these bigger giants. Um, so I was there for about a year. And then after that, I was recruited by a private equity firm to oversee the marketing and PR of their assets. And that company was based in Miami, but I was in the office in New York and I was flying out almost every week um, to do that job. And uh, during that time, I was also accepted in the executive program at Baruch College, Zikun School of Business, um, to get my MBA. And it was, it was a lot, you know, I was flying out every week. Um, and then on the weekends, I was getting, um, or not getting, I was working to get my MBA. And the thing about the executive program at Baruch, it's specifically catered towards senior level executives. So people, I would say in their 40s. So I was super young to be involved in that, to get into that program. I remember one of my classmates asking me why I was there. 
Like she just couldn't believe it. Um, she wow. was she was like, why are you there? Why are you here? Why didn't you go for um, the regular MBA program? I remember her even asking one of the deans, I, I was there, I was eating and she was like, oh, so are you just letting in anyone? You know, but little did Gosh. she know that, yeah, I know. Little did she know that I was an executive, right? I was a vice president. I was flying out every week. I was super focused with what I was doing. And I did not have the time to even be a part of the regular MBA program mm -hmm. because I was just so busy and I knew what I wanted, you know? So um, that was my experience post-college and now here I am. I know long story, but. <laughs> no, there's, there's so much to unpack just in that journey. And I think even just your first point, right? You're graduated mm -hmm. college. All, pretty much all your friends are now stepping into these corporate positions or, you know, going on to get their master's. And then here you are having to really peel, you know, push yourself back a little bit and say, you know, I need to, I'm still on my journey. So I need to yeah. go make money because that's the priority. I have to make money. And I think it's more if it, just from, cause I can totally put myself in your shoes. And I think for me, like, it's not the aspect of having to go work at a movie theater, right? That's not beneath you. It's just that you legitimately felt like you had followed all the right steps to go from yes. college, college to corporate. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, I did everything I was supposed to do. I worked my ass off. I did these internships. I did these internships for free. Like I did exactly. everything. <laughs> and that here exactly. I am. Mm -hmm. And I, yeah. I totally hear that because that I felt like that too in college where I, I just felt like I was working so hard towards my future goal, but I couldn't get anything right. I was applying to things left and right. And I would never even get an email back. And then, you know, my friend's aunt would own a marketing firm and suddenly she had a job and I was like, what the, like, what is happening here? You know, yeah. where's, where's sort of my, where's my help. But I, <laughs> I totally, I totally hear that. And I actually only got my job, the job that I ended up getting like three days before I was supposed to start. I was interning there and I didn't think that they were even going to hire me. And then they hired me and I had to, I moved right from my college dorm into an apartment. So it was like, Oh, okay. Awesome. I will That's gladly, awesome. I will gladly exactly. take this job. <laughs> exactly, dude. Exactly. That's awesome. So you ultimately left working at your role in that executive role at the private equity firm um, to go pursue something on your own. And I'm curious to know what propelled you to ultimately leave your job and, and think about entrepreneurship. Yeah, it was honestly the craziest thing I've ever done. And to be honest, I thought I was just going to continue climbing the corporate ladder, right? Um, until one day I was sitting in my office and I was looking at other positions and I just wasn't passionate about applying to yet another one. And at that time I was interviewing with bigger brands and companies like Google and Microsoft. And so I was getting tugged in different directions. And I thought to myself that I was able to accomplish so much internally. At my last position, I was building teams I was making deals. I was generating revenue for these businesses. And for the first time ever, I was sitting in meetings with the CEOs and hearing how they speak. And I just, I just felt like I can do it myself. You know, if not now, 
when? Like, I always had a vision, maybe 10 years from now, when I'm a little bit older, or quote unquote, more established, and I can open up my own agency or consultancy, but I never thought, I never even entertained the idea that it would happen so soon or right now. And then after just speaking to, you know, my mother and my family and, um, and my brother, who, who's a, an awesome entrepreneur too, I just felt like, you know what, this move is right. This move is right for me right now. And so I took the leap. I took, took the leap of faith and here I am. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I think it's really admirable that you just sort of said, you know what, this is what I need to go do for myself. Um, but I'm curious. So you, when was this in the fall, last fall, 2019? This was exactly a year from now, Melissa. I'm speaking to you almost on the anniversary of when I, um, I was packing up my, my office and getting ready to leave. Yeah. Well, one happy anniversary. (laughs) But I think what's, um, what's important to note. So you just recently launched Megan Monroe, which is your official business. Um, but it took a little bit for you to go from your, you know, step one of I'm going to venture off on my own to now this is officially the company that I'm launching. So I would love for you to tell our listeners a little bit about, you know, first how you planned for entrepreneurship, because you don't, it's not just something, you know, with $0 in your bank account, you're like, I quit. And then you leave. (laughs) Yep, a hundred percent. So um, I, there's a few questions there and I wanna make sure to answer all of them. So the first question was, um, I actually wanna tackle one question first, which is about financially preparing to leave my job. Yeah. So um, there's a certain level of sacrifice, no matter what you do um, or how you do it, that's gonna be involved on stepping out into entrepreneurship. So I just wanna be clear on that. And everyone's sacrifice would be a little different from what I've learned, right? Mm-hmm. Some people sacrifice still being within their nine to five and um, nurturing their side, their hustle on the, on the side. Um, for me, I still lived with my mother um, and that helped with the burden of having to pay um, some big astronomical number in rent, right? Of course, right. I'm giving my mother something, but it's nothing in comparison to what I will be um, spending every single right. month. And because I was still living um, with my mother, I was saving so much. And every single opportunity I had to save money or to pay off any form of debt, I did. So for example, every year during tax time, I wouldn't pocket the money that I would get back. I would take it and pay off my student loans, um, my car or anything that I had. So right now I can say, I don't have any student loans. I don't have any car payments. You know, that's all, that's all said and done. Um, And then in my last position, because I was making a a lot more money (laughs) than I had in the past, I not only saved, but I invested, right? Mm -hmm. So for instance, with my 401k, I was, oh my God, I was going beyond the corporate match. I was just putting like, I I think now that I look back on it, over 50% of my paycheck went towards savings, investing in whatsoever. That's incredible. um, 
Yeah, I was super because you know what I say? I, I, I say like my boyfriend's mother said it to me in passing, but I don't think she um, realized that it resonated with me. It was like once you start to save and you start to see your progression, you want to do more. Right. Mm-hmm. It's so, addictive. It's addictive. I was like, oh, I can do this. And and don't get me wrong. It's not to say that I was, um, you know, not treating myself. I made sure that I was treating myself. I like nice things. You know, I like the bags. <laughs> I like the jewelry. I like nice things, but with a reason. And every time I would go, right. Every time I would go to invest in nice things, right. I would make sure everything else was taken care of. Right. So I would say how I financially prepared was knowing, um, knowing my resources and making sure that I was taking care of um, things right. like debt or bills. Um, so it did not last a lifetime. So I can go and have options to pursue right. um, starting my own business. I have a follow-up um, so, to that. Yeah, go ahead. Just not mm-hmm. to cut you off, but I'm, I'm no. curious, right? Because there are, there are going to be people who that's a fantastic plan, right? Start paying off your debt, start tackling the things that you need, you know, your permanent and, and consistent income to tackle, right? Your loans, your debt. Um, but for those, like, let's, let's think about um, people who are just really like not loving their job, right? They really want to go into entrepreneurship. They really want to quit. They really want to leave. And it sort of is discouraging for them to think, oh crap, this is how I have to tackle this. Like how can they maybe shift their mindset so that that's not really their outlook, right? And that they're focusing more on the positives because who knows, right? It could take a year for you to pay off your debt, right? And then you can't start oh, your yeah. entrepreneurship oh, yeah. for a whole year. <laughs> yeah, this 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 wasn't overnight by any means. You know, right. this was all leading up. And it, at answer your question, I would ask or I would encourage people to ask themselves why. Why number one, do you want to pursue entrepreneurship? What are you looking for? Um, why? Are you not content in your position? What are you looking for? Um, so I would tell people to get to the root of why they're feeling the way they are. Because a lot of times when you do that, you're able to come up with other answers that could be suitable to um, your living, right? Or your way of life. So for instance, if you're in a job that you're not happy with, right? First and foremost, you have to understand that or the way I look at it is no matter what job I'm doing, you know, even when I was working at the movie theaters, all the way up to me working as a VP, I had a certain level of respect for my job. And I knew that I wasn't just showing up for my job, I was showing up for myself. And to be honest, I realized that that did not jive well with certain people, right? Even at the movie theaters, I remember getting feedback and comments like we're just at a movie theater. You know, you don't have to handle yourself a certain way. And no matter what I did, because I felt like I was my own brand. I was my own business. So first and foremost, I would just switch to perspective, right? That you're not working for someone else. You're working for yourself, right? So if you don't have a good experience with your employer, maybe you can switch into another department, mm. um, look at other positions at other companies, because no matter what, you're going to need money (laughs) to invest in your 
passion, right? In your side hustle or in your business. So so no matter which way you look at it, you're going to need some sort of investment. And to be honest, when you go out on your own without a financial backing, you're always going to be stressed and you're not going to be making clear decisions. So again, I would say just try your hardest to switch your perspective. And I know it's easier said than done, but believe me, I've been in very, very challenging work environments longer than I needed to be in, to be completely honest with you. But it was the fact that I was working hard to switch my perspective. And at the end of the day, I can say that I've done A, B, and C, and I've worked with A, B, and C, and now I'm more equipped to run my business and help other businesses get to the next level. So everything that you're going through right now is just working for you. Just think of it as it's working for you and it's another stepping stone for you to become the business owner you wanna be. Right, right. And I know we had um, spoke about this too the last time we chatted about just the importance of, as you were saying before, right? The Maybe you don't love what you're doing, but there are so many aspects of what you're doing that you can take with you into your future roles. Maybe your exposure to leadership is unique and you're able to ask questions or you're able to be more involved in meetings. Um, like I was just having this conversation not too long ago where I didn't have the greatest experiences in, in my first job out of college. But one of the things that I would never take for granted was the uh, amount of work that was thrown on my plate, the amount of involvement I had in so many different departments with so many different VPs and executive leaders. I was a 22 year old with a direct line to the CEO. And that is not something that is so common. So instead of me focusing so much on the negative things that were happening, I tried to focus more on the positive, on what I'm getting out of it that I don't think many of my friends were getting out of their roles and how unique my experience was to me. Um, And a lot of the things that I learned five years ago are so relevant still today, just from that one job. 100%, 100%. Take advantage of the places and spaces that you're in is key too. So- we spoke about the the financial portion, right? How you sort of planned to really dive into your business on your own. And it's important that you tackled your debt because now the money that you're making in your current business, you're able to really probably reinvest back into your business and allocate differently now that you don't have all those student loans and the, <laughs> all the, all the car. Payment. Oh yeah. I haven't taken that one penny from my business. Everything that I've made, goes right back into my business. Um, And I know you were asking before about, you know, how I got to the name and, or, you know, got to launching my brand. Yep. Yep. Only, I think it was only last week and, or two weeks ago, I, I, everything's a blur right now, but (laughs) um, so two things. Uh, The first thing is my brand name is Megan Monroe and my middle name is Megan, so that's where I got the Meg from. And Monroe, I wanted my father to be so much a part of this business, although he's not with me today. He passed away about three years ago. And I always wanted my family name to be in it. Uh, even though if I go off and God willingly marry or whatnot, I, the Monroe name is so important to me. And it's so, so much a part of who I am in my journey. 
So that's the name. So fast forward um, to where I am now, I was very strategic in not launching a brand name or a brand in general, because I wanted to take the time to really see what industry I worked best with, what industry I actually liked and what service I enjoyed doing, right? I feel like a lot of times, I, I, when we launch a brand or we launch a business, it feels so definitive, right? It feels like, oh, this is it, you know? And I wanted to be gentle with myself and allowing myself time to just figure it out. And I got that idea from a writer who I just started following years ago. Her name is Bianca Bass, I believe. And she, in one of her blog articles, she she said it, she left her, her um, nine to five for a period of time. And she took that opportunity to just see what she, what she enjoyed doing. Marketing is such a big world, marketing, advertising, media, it's so big. And um, most, I know we had, t- we, we were scheduled to speak a while back and things happened but I'm so happy it, things happened because right. I would right. not be in the same space. I would not be so clear on what I wanted to do. Right. I, I think that's such a great point because there's a, I think there's a lot of us that just get so excited to launch something and come out with something that we don't really take the time to drill down what we're actually passionate about and what we're good at. Um, and you're right. Marketing is such a broad field. So how did you begin to really find your niche and your business focal point and, and what are they? Yeah, good question. So I did two things. I not only, you know, took into account what I was passionate about, um, but I analyzed what the market needed mm-hmm. and what I was good at. Um, so I narrowed my business down into three um, distinct offerings. Um, the first one is public relations. So that deals with increasing the visibility and relevancy um, of certain brands and people within relevant media outlets or through partnerships um, and communication efforts. Um, the second one is social media management, with a, which is what a lot of people know it to be. Um, that's both on the organic level and the paid advertising level. And the third is creative development and working with my team on developing editorial and lifestyle images, as well as commercials to go to market with. So I realized that a lot of these business owners did not have the proper assets to go alongside their business messaging. And when you are pitching media, and even when you're on social media at the very basic level, you need high quality images. You need um, visuals to tell more of your brand story. You need commercials to run. So um, I recognize that. And what I didn't say before is, as I was analyzing the market, I was hosting so many interviews with um, prospective clients, and with friends who were just starting their business. And I was writing down everything that they were saying. I was asking them questions about, you know, what challenges do they face in, you know, running their startups? What do they, if they had all the money in the world, what would they invest in and why? So I was taking into account everything that they were saying. And then that allowed me to come up with more of um, an offering that makes sense to not only myself, but to fellow business owners. Right. You were so diligent in putting that plan together and all the thought that went into it is so great. It's very like you. 
Very on brand for you to be strategic like that. On brand, very marketing like. <laughs> so you were speaking to a lot of people. You were building connections, networking, building relationships. It's difficult, you know. Some people have all these ideas for starting a business, but they're a little nervous to venture out on the client front, right? So what would be your advice to them to not only get clients, but to retain them? Yeah, good question. So first and foremost, I would just analyze the marketplace, right? Study your competitors, study what they do or what they don't do and figure out why, right? There's always a why. So I would start off there. Then I would understand your potential customers and your buyers. Like I said, I had interviews um, and phone calls and Zoom sessions, but really take the time to understand your key audience and what makes them tick. You Nowadays, you just need to be in the heads and minds of people because that's gonna better um, shape your messaging and shape your strategy. So once you have all that information ready, put something out. It doesn't have to be perfect. My first website was, I did not want to even put it out, to be honest. But if I didn't put it out, I wouldn't have started, to be honest with you. So put something out. That's your best work, right? Don't just put out like garbage, like put some effort into it. It doesn't have to be perfect, but put something out and test it. So when I say test it, see how people are interacting, right? Take that feedback. There's so many tools out there to get feedback about what you're doing and how you're doing it. Um, and then study it. Study how things, how people engage with it. Study how you can make your product or service better. Um, always ask for feedback and just keep on refining and keep on doing. And then eventually you're going to get to a place like, wow, I'm really doing it out here. I'm really making moves, you know, and that's just going to spur um, more uh, effort to do what you've always wanted to do. Because now you look back and you have all this traction and you got a little bit more encouragement and inspiration. That's such great advice. That's a, a very, very good point. So it's so funny because, right, you were so strategic in the overarching planning of what you were looking to do, but you're also saying, right, go for it. You know, once you put your offering together, just go for it. Like, don't hesitate. Don't question yourself. Um, you know, put it out there, test the waters and then sort of innovate and, and improve from there. Exactly. Exactly. And you know what, Melissa, I study a lot of business owners, um, brands, CEOs. And one thing that I hear often that could be surprising to some is that no one knows what they're doing. <laughs> like a lot of people, they, they look up at these, you know, big conglomerates and the people who run them. And, and it, it seems like they know everything, you know, and one theme I kept on hearing is no one knows what they're doing. Just do it, you know, and then figure it out. Right. But to think that you're going to be equipped with all this information and all of this, you know, hoorah is, is, is silly because you're not going to be, and you only will be equipped with such in, um, information is if you actually get out there and you do something to learn yes. from. Yes. So with that in mind, 
you know, there are a number of people listening with side hustles, right? They're doing the nine to five and then the five to nine that we know mm-hmm. all too well, um, that want to ultimately pursue entrepreneurship. And you gave that financial advice, but other than that, what is your recommendation to them? So good question. My recommendation is just to do good work, mm-hmm. like period, just do good work, do your best. Um, and what's better than your best, right? Um, be organized, over-communicate, like just be sharp, be, try to be excellent at whatever you're doing, no matter who you're doing it for, because you don't know who's talking, you don't know who knows who, right? So a lot of people are motivated by money, right? Um, they might say, I'm not going to do this job or do it well because I'm not getting paid what I should be getting paid or if at all. But to me, that is just, I, I, I don't operate that way, right? Anything, I, I could do my job for free because I enjoy what I do and I have such a respect for what I'm doing. So my, again, my advice is to do good work, no matter what, no matter what you're doing, be the best at it. If I, like I was telling you before, I was working at the movie theaters and I was the, I tried to be the best popcorn scooper I could be. Right. And that, that, that frustrated some people, but that's how I get down. Right. Right. That's how I always work. Be the best that you can be and do good work because more work will come from it. Absolutely. I personally am a huge advocate for that. Um, I, my dad used to tell me all the time, he's like the personality that you have, like you could go work literally anywhere and you would be management. When I first got my internship and they were like, Hey, there's going to be no job for you here. You know, this is just a free internship for you. Good luck and, and good riddance. I still worked my ass off. And then lo and behold, there was a job opening. And had I just been half-assing it the whole time and not giving it my all, they would have opened that job up to the public, but they didn't. They brought me into a conference room and asked me if I wanted it. I said, yes, hired me on the spot. And exactly, I'm like, I'm such a huge advocate for that. You never know who you're speaking to. I tell my younger cousins this all the time as they're in their part-time jobs. I'm like, you could be working at Mac doing makeup for someone really, really important. And you would just never know it. So always put your best foot forward. You never know who you're going to meet. That's a, exactly. a huge, huge thing. hundred percent. And one thing I learned too is the decision makers, the people who really make the decisions in business um, in corporate, they don't, they don't show themselves, right? You wouldn't even know that they're, so true. <laughs> you know, um, they will be wearing just regular clothes and they would talk to you like they're just anyone, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And that if, if knowing that, if that doesn't, you know, spur you to, to just be great or just produce excellent work, then uh, I don't, I don't know what will. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Absolutely. So let's segue into more of a, I guess, a serious topic, right? Given the state of affairs and in the world today. Um, so you, you know, I'll give just a refresher to the listeners. So you had left your full-time stable income finance providing job in the fall of 2019. And then February rolls around and coronavirus hits the globe. Um, 
Can you give me some of the things that are going through your mind at this time? How did, how did you prepare? Was there any fear that you had, um, surrounding this and, and sort of stability in, in the workplace? So the first half of the, you know, the coronavirus, um, pandemic, to be honest, I was in school still, Mm -hmm. And I was, I still had a small client list that I was working with. So I was very busy still. So that busyness helped me and helped my, um, my mind, my mindset, because I, I didn't have time for what was happening to really register. Mm-hmm. It was not until after I graduated uh, and I had more time on my hands that I, that I really sit with it. And there was a few days where I was very scared or fearful about what was happening in my, in my future, but I didn't let that stifle me. I, I recognized that I was having these emotions, but I still kept my head down and worked, right? right? Because when you look at social media, and you start to get over, you start to overconsume the information that people are sharing, you, you, you would stifle yourself. So I always look at, you know, CNBC, I always look at the greater marketplace to really analyze what was happening. And I would get on the phone and still speak to business owners and um, entrepreneurs, and they were still working they were still doing business, right? So I say that to say, don't get too consumed by what you see at face value, because do not get me wrong. The coronavirus is very much real, you know, and what (laughs) happened to the economy, very much real. So what I'm saying is not negating that. What I am saying though, is people are still running businesses. People at some level were still buying, right? So putting my head down, still doing the work, still analyzing the marketplace allowed me to identify certain gaps and um, zoom in more on my offerings, right? So again, that's when I came up with those, my three distinct offerings, my, my niche and all that other stuff. I started to use the time to see how I can better position myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and then and then on a more a, a more strategic and financial level, I, I became more lenient in my payment methods. So uh, understanding um, the place that everyone was in, um, I personally did not feel comfortable charging so much money up front. Uh, I, I changed my my pay, my payment methods to now be on, on a monthly basis. Um, again, that's what worked for me. Everyone's business is different. Right. I would just say, really analyze and understand what industry you're in and how you can make um, decisions that would support your business growth as well as the greater good. Right. <clears throat> I, I think you make a really great point when you said, you know, just analyzing the marketplace. It's like, yeah, this is a, a very, very real pandemic affecting everybody across the globe. However, 
you're right. There are people who still have to work. There are people who are still making their money and still buying things and still contributing to the economy. There's still a number of different things that are happening, just maybe on a smaller scale than they were happening in like October of last year, let's say. Right. Um, and it's, I think it's a great piece of advice that you sort of took what was happening and refocused to say, all right, what can I do now to better prepare for us now that we're moving into like a new normal almost. Exactly. And that's what I would always say to my clients and to anyone that I'm speaking with is messaging is key, right? Um, When I looked at what was happening, I noticed bigger brands outsourcing their um, services. Mm. So what I mean by that is I looked up at the TV screens and I see user-generated content. So they were relying on influencers and other people to do their advertising for them because they didn't have access to their big studios, right? Or access to their big teams. So that's what I mean that business moves were happening. You just have to analyze and adapt accordingly. Because if you are a videographer, a photographer, or hell, even an influencer, you could look and see what's happening and start pitching accordingly. You know, um, saying that you can lend your services in this sort of way. So that was um, number one. And then number two, a lot of people are at home. Self-care is more a priority than ever. So how, what brands am I working with and how do I merge them into the bigger, to the bigger story here in a way that makes sense, not in a way that is tone deaf, of course, Mm -hmm. but you have to pay attention to what's happening and operate accordingly. So paying attention, getting off, you know, social media is great. I get a lot of information from social media. So let me say that. I mean, you know, that's one of my services. So social media is great, but really doing your due diligence and understanding what is happening out there. Right. It's so interesting that you mentioned just the change in dynamic, um, because you're absolutely right. And I didn't even think of this, that all of these companies really lost their access to these curated studios and all of this content, right? So they were relying on their influencers and almost their micro influencers too, right? Because even the big time influencers didn't have access to their hair and makeup teams either. And they're not so comfortable posting non, you know, carefully created pieces of of photography. Meanwhile, you know, your micro influencers, that's what they do all the time. They make the most of what they sort of have at their disposal. Um, So that's quite interesting. I did see a huge, I felt like almost during March and April, I was seeing so many of the people that I actually know on social media, like in the news feeds and less of the celebrities and like the congestion of of famous people, because it's almost like they didn't know what to post if they couldn't be out and about. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. I've seen it on social and I even seen it on TV too. Like a few brands, quite a lot of brands, um, they, they, their commercials were, um, user generated, right? So they took videos that people were making and still to this day, you see a lot of of it. Um, but, but that's when I really started to see the transition happen. So I want to take advantage of the fact that we do have a marketing whiz here now with us on the show um, and ask you some questions that I think would really benefit new business owners who are listening, uh, maybe people who have just been even in business for a while, but now are trying to break into some sort of strategy, right? So 
what would be your best piece of advice if someone is, and feel free to just give, you know, whatever comes to mind, um, for someone who's either launching a new business or coming out with a new product, right? What's that like, what's your initial come to mind? You know, the first thing that comes to your head, that's like, all right, you got to do this. Don't forget to do this. Good question, Melissa. So I would say a lot of people want to go from zero to hundred super quickly. I said that before to you, um, but I'll say it again, um, because People, you know, they have an idea and they just want to take off running (laughs) and it's just, it doesn't work that way. There's a lot of iteration that happens in between then. So again, it's knowing your, your marketplace, it's knowing your audience, it's knowing, um, getting super clear on what you want to do and why you want to do it. Like what value are you really contributing? With that being said, I know we've spoken about it before, um, sort of off the show, just in terms of how people should approach social media. So I think right now, social media can be so congested with just a lot of imagery, right? There's a lot going on. Um, So how, what's the best way for someone to approach social media if they're starting a new business? And if you want to use like Femme Radio as an example, feel, feel free to give me some tips and tricks. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you do a good job, Melissa. Honestly, you you oh, really do. You. And I think a lot of people they do better than they think they're doing. And mm-hmm. I think they just compare themselves to what other people are doing, and then they feel like they're not doing good. Right. And so I want to tackle a few things as it relates to social media. So number one is be yourself, right? Be yourself. There's I know it sounds corny or simple. But you have one thing these big functional brands don't have. You have a human element, right? So when you think of Bed Bath & Beyond and you think of Bath & Body Works or some other big conglomerate and um, uh, product line, who who are they? You know, who's who's actually making these candles? Who's actually producing these products? We don't know, right? So being that Instagram is the way it is in terms of human connection, Use that to your advantage. Tell more of your unique story. Tell more of your journey. That's what people desire. And that's what people are gravitating more towards. And I know I said it before, but it it also holds true on the social landscape is do your best work, right? So yes, I say be yourself, be your authentic self, but you also have to recognize social media is a highly competitive place you might want to invest in, you know, some high quality visuals, right? To actually attract people to your profile and to learn more about you. Um, That's the second thing. One, One other thing I would say is that a lot of people think one social media platform is the end all be all, right? So, uh, oh, if you don't have a lot of Instagram followers then you're not doing anything, right? But Instagram is like one place, you know, that's literally one medium of many to reach people who would be interested in you, your story. You know, what about the LinkedIn's? What about the Twitter's? What about getting emails, text messaging? You know, there's other ways, right, to reach people who would be interested in you. And I think we just get so bogged down and focused on, you know, one thing that we kind of just automatically lose sight of like all these other offerings that are out there. Yeah. One, one, I, and I, I know I said one thing, but I have, I have another thing to say on that in, in terms of like following. I work with all types of brands, right? So I say that because I have worked with Foot Locker. I have worked with 
a brand who has less than 200 following. And I got to be honest, um, it's all the same, right? It, it's literally all the same. And I realized that people get so bogged down in like the numbers aspect of things that they don't do what they should be doing. They don't, they're not as consistent. They're not as authentic. They get scared. They get fearful, but I got to be honest, the people with less than a thousand followers, less than 500 followers, we're still on phone calls with big media companies. We're still getting featured, you know? So I, I really implore people to take a step back, think about what medium makes sense for them focus on that one medium, be the best that you can be in that, invest your time and your effort, um, see what people, which means your audience and consumers resonate well with, and do more of that. Such a great point. I, I think there's just the part that you mentioned too about, you know, Instagram is not the end all be all, right? I mean, there's so much, especially now with the addition of TikTok too, right? Like, even just in conversations with my friends, there's friends that don't even touch Facebook ever. It's not their target. It's not their, you know, medium, but they're on Instagram every single day or they're on TikTok every day, but don't go on anything else. So there is such a, a different subset of users who sort of maybe fall into those different pockets of social media platforms. Um, and you really are selling yourself short if you do choose one and then you don't do anything in the other, you're missing out on that opportunity to maybe reach those additional people. 100%, really know, and this just goes back to knowing who your audience is and where they are. Because once you really get into the mindset, into the psychology of what motivates them and um, what they pay attention to, you'll be able to be a little bit more strategic um, with your strategy and your plan and your marketing plan. And I know I come off some, like generally speaking, but but really that's that's what it is. It's only when I work one-on-one -on -one with my specific clients am I able to tailor a more um, direct marketing strategy. But I would tell everyone to start with that, you know, right. start, start with what I just said, and then we can talk more. <laughs> but yeah, I realize a lot of people haven't started. So I would say start. Uh, you know, I think that's a great, uh, a huge, valuable piece of advice. So what are some of the things that you have learned since venturing out on your own? <laughs> I learned a lot once I ventured out on my own. Uh, I actually felt like I had to relearn a lot of things because when you work in a corporate environment or a bigger organization, you tend to only learn things in the context of your job. And when you are running a company or a business or anything, you learn how to think so much more strategically about what you should do, how you should do it, um, and, and, and things of that nature. So I used to be scared or fearful leaving my job because I thought like this was it, you know, this I mean, granted, it was all I knew, but I felt like, you know, I'm going to lose access to smart people. I'm not going to be able to collaborate. I like all these things that just that may not make sense. Like now that I'm saying it out loud, right, might right. not make sense, but it, they were real thoughts. Right. And then 
I went out on my own and, and here I am a year later, Melissa, I have not learned as much as I learned in this year working at my, at my corporate job. I learned so much more running this business. I am now sitting in on like, like real meetings. I mean, I was always sitting in on real meetings, don't get me wrong, but right. now being able to hear what these brand owners and these entrepreneurs are thinking is so valuable, right? Like how do they pick products, right? How do they source their products? Like I was working, as I said before, with, you know, Bare Minerals and Shiseido and Laura Mercier, but I was only involved in one aspect. Mm -hmm. Now, because I'm a consultant and while these businesses utilize my services for marketing communications, they still ask me bigger business questions. I now know so much more and I'm more equipped on, re on running relevant marketing and media campaigns because I'm so much more knowledgeable about the process that these bigger businesses are taking. I know exactly what you're saying. You're speaking to me. And I, I think your comparison too, <laughs> of like when you work at a bigger company, um, you do get sort of pigeonholed into this role and this is sort exactly. of what you have to do. And this is your day to day. And there's not really much room for flexibility or sort of, you know, blurring the lines into different positions. And that was, you know, just to what I was speaking about before with like things that I'm so grateful that I learned in my first job out of college was that it was a smaller company. So I was everywhere in every department and no one was yelling at you for stepping on their toes because if it required them to not have to do anything, then they were happy to, to get, to get rid of it off their plates. But it was so exciting to be able to do so much and to really follow processes, as you were saying, from start to finish, being involved in the entire conceptualization of a project, which now I don't get to do so much. And I, I've always said that something I totally miss. So I'm, I'm, I, I hear you. Yeah. Yeah. You touched on it. You said, you, you said it more eloquently than me. So thank you. <laughs> um, but, but yes, just being involved in certain meetings and in certain processes, you just are more equipped to make more strategic decisions, mm -hmm. um, not only in the present, but also in the future. So that's why I say, if you have the chance, whether it be for a year or whatever you feel, I really encourage people to start something of their own. I, I really, really do because you get to know yourself so much better. You do. You're no longer behind the veil, right? It's you. You are bare. That this is it. The buck starts with you. So if you, if anyone does have the opportunity to, um, start their business and to go off and run their business full time, I would take it. I really, really would because you learn so much about yourself and you learn what you are capable of. Every move I make, I am scared. Like every move, I wake up scared. I fall asleep scared. It's, you know, I, I feel the fear, but the difference is, is I'm still doing it. Yeah. That's it. Uh, wow. Yeah, that's, uh, that's huge. I love you for sharing that because 
there is so much that's um, not, the, not the veil of entrepreneurship, right? But I think people just see the success and don't always see the day-to-day. And it's true. You do live fearful. You are the reason that you're sustaining a life, right? You are the reason you get a paycheck. So if you're not always at a hundred percent, then there's no one that's really picking up the slack. You are your business. I think that we don't put enough emphasis in sort of talking about how stressful it can be and how fearful it is, but it's also really great, right? You have something that's yours. Exactly. And it's so funny. I was speaking to a client and she said it perfectly. I asked her, oh, how how are you? And she, and she says, Alyssa, it depends on the hour. Some days, (laughs) some one hour, I am great. I feel on top of the world. The other hour, I'm like, why did I do this? You know, why, why am I out on my own? You know, so realizing that that is probably never going to go away um, makes it, makes it that much more, I would say bearable, if that makes sense. But, (laughs) But I think you're right. I think more people need to realize what really goes into entrepreneurship. And I, and I said it before, um, when I was speaking to a friend, um, that I am just so happy I'm naive about it now, you know, because if I knew all the things I know now, I, I'm like, uh, you know, fear, fear would prevent me from doing it. Right. So do it with a little bit of naivete because it would, you'll go far. You will. You will. You'll dare greatly. Alyssa, I ask the same question to each of our guests, and I've been dying to ask you this for the last two years since we've been trying to connect. (laughs) So who embodies the word femme to you? And as a refresher, we use that word here to just sort of describe that trailblazing person, someone who is an ally and mentor to others. It can be male or female, but just someone that you really feel like has either made an impact in your life or in someone that you know, and it can be a celebrity or someone that you know personally? This is a good question. And I would say that it really is all of the women who dares greatly and who is courageous. And Melissa, you embody the word femme to me. I see you and I see what you're doing and it's so inspiring and it's so motivating. I would say my brother, Anderson Blue, embodies the word femme to even women who, you know, a lot of people know, Shantae Lundy is the owner of Black Girl Sunscreen. Um, Melissa Butler, the CEO of The Lip Bar, Morgan DeBond, CEO of Blavity. Like, uh, like there's just so much women that are just so badass and they're just doing their thing either on a micro or macro level. It takes so much courage to do it. So I, I cannot say one person specifically because there's just so many, there's so many out there that embodies the word fem. I love that answer. And not just because you mentioned me, which I'm very thankful for, but I, I love the introduction to people that our listeners can also reach out to and follow. So I think it's a huge mention to say, you know, expand your network of who you have when you're scrolling through your feed and go follow the Melissa Butlers, right? Go follow the people who are really starting from the ground up and working their butts off and making things happen for not just themselves, but for others, paving that way um, for additional people to really flow and, and, and be in that space. And where can our listeners follow you on social media? 
Media and Megan Monroe. Feel free yes. to plug yourself everywhere. Awesome. Awesome. So you can follow uh, my business page, Megan Monroe. So that's at M-E-G-A-N-D-M-U-N-R-O um, on Instagram or Facebook. And our website is MeganMonroe.com. And if you just want to stay in tuned about who I am on a more personal level, you can follow me at Alyssa Monroe, A-L-L-Y-S-S-A-M-U-N-R-O. Amazing. Alyssa, any last pieces of advice for our listeners? Yes, I actually do have one last piece of advice. And that is to remind everyone that you only have one life. So dream big and go hard. Because after this, according to my beliefs, there's very limiting things left. So uh, (laughs) if at all, so make the best of it, dude. This is your message. This is your time. Alyssa, thank you so much for being with Fem Radio. No problem. Thank you so much for having me, Melissa. 